On this episode of Whale Cave, Laura Kraft hangs out with John Mellencamp, Sean Conroy gets violent, and host Matt Price needs to get off Spotify. Whale Cave starts now. Welcome to Whale Cave, the podcast that's hotter than the Harlem Shake. How's everybody doing out there? My name is Matt Price. I am the host of Whale Cave. Thanks so much for listening. Got a very funny show today. Two very funny guests. Laura Kraft is here from my hometown. Sean Conroy, not from my hometown, but funny nonetheless. They're funny everywhere, everybody. Folks, you were listening to, uh, that was a song by the Mowgli's called San Francisco off their EP, Love's Not Dead. Please download that. And while you're on the internet, hey, folks, I'm at, why am I saying folks? I've said folks a lot already. Um, at Whale Cave is the Twitter Twitter account. You can follow me. Also, uh, Matt at whalecave.com. If you want to interview, uh, interview, if you want to interview me, send me an email <laughs> with all your interview questions and I will write you back because that's what's happening a lot on my email. A lot of interviews happening. When you uh, email Matt at whalecape.com. All right. Before I talk to uh, Laura Kraft, I've got something to work out here. I've been having a lot of trouble. I've talked about focusing. I've had trouble focusing. Uh, I talked about that when I uh, had the very uh, telling tale about me reading Duff McKagan's autobiography. And now he helped me focus. But still a problem. And here's the thing. I'm pretty busy. I have a full-time job, a wife, a child, and other hopes and dreams which usually you accomplish during your free time, or don't. But at least you're trying. This podcast, for one, I need to focus on this to get it to the highest quality that you deserve. But I haven't I haven't been able to focus. And here's an example of why. In the past 48 hours, uh, I had a little bit of free time. My in-laws were in town. They were kind of doing a lot of the things, you know, that I would normally do with, with my child, um, like caring for her, things like that. And so I was like, oh, I can get some stuff done, right? But here's, here's an example of some of the ways I'm, I'm wasting time. One, um, my friend has been, my friend Jason Nash, who's been on the show, uh, has been challenging me to make Spotify playlists. Now, I don't have time to do that. Most people don't, unless you're 14. But I'm like, sure, I'll make you that list of instrumental songs by bands who don't normally play instrumentals. And it took a long time, <laughs> a very long time. <laughs> There were, at one point, my in-laws, they, they were leaving the, the next day, and we were having this dinner, and it was my mother-in-law's birthday, and we were having you know, a nice dinner, and she, my wife's like, hey, can you come in? And I'm like, I will. I just, I'm looking through the They Might Be Giants catalog, because I think they have a song called, yes, here it is, it's Spacesuit. Yes, hold on, I'll be there in five minutes. I just, I, I'm wasting time. And then last night, I stayed up very late watching a documentary about the Eagles, now, I thought Hotel California was the most unnecessarily long thing that the Eagles ever did <laughs> until I watched the three-hour documentary about the Eagles. The whole thing I, I watched, I mean, I don't even like the Eagles. They have a lot of hits, and I love music documentaries, but I'm, again, busy man. Uh, supposedly, I'm, maybe I'm not. Maybe that's the problem. I think I'm a busy man, and I want to be a busy man, but I'm not. Here's what I learned, though, watching the Eagles documentary. Okay. Don Henley, way too serious. He's like the Sean Penn of classic rock. He's like, I think that's why his voice is, like, his voice is pretty intense. I think it's because he's all scrunched up. He's like, let's go down to the sun. He's just, he's so, like, tight. Super intense. And I thought they were all, like, peaceful, easy feeling. Tequila, sunrise, all that. But he's, he, him and Glenn Fry are, are just, they're intense men. And maybe that's the lesson in all of this. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna get stuff done like the Eagles have done for 40 years, you got to get down to business. Don Henley's not a businessman; he's a businessman. That's what Jay Z said in reference to Don Henley. So anyway, I need to take a page out of the Don Henley book, get down to business, and uh, that's what I'm gonna do right now. Or maybe I'll make another playlist. One of these nights. Okay. 
That was, of course, <laughs> the Eagles with one of their three-hour songs. One of these nights. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting here. Across from me now is a very funny person who I, and yes, very attractive person, <laughs> uh, who I went to high school with. Laura Kraft, thank you for joining me at Whale Cave. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, thanks so much for being here. I'm laughing at my impulse to move around the mic so I can see you. Move around it. Can you? Do you want me to move around uh, it? No. Do you want me to move ah, it down there a little? You are. No, this is good. Okay. Hi. What's happening? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> is that better? Just if you if you want the visual, Laura Kraft just Matt Bellin actually moved her microphone down. Yeah. Oh, so now we can all see me. Better sight line. Yeah. Um, these are my eyes. These, they hubba, are. Hubba. <laughs> I know. It's, it's uh, very distracting. Go. It's very distracting. Um, Keep looking at things. Hey, so yes, you, I know, are a huge music fan. I'm a huge music fan. We, but, but I'm not like a good music fan. Like I don't know stuff about music. I was actually thinking about this on the way over here mm-hmm. because though I love music and I play music, I, um, I wasn't raised in a house where you were really allowed to play music. Um, you were I, mean, not I play music now as a grown up, but when I was growing up, I'm one of seven, and our family was like the Von Trapps. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's all these, you know, at four, we started music theory. At five, we all started piano. At 10, we started a second instrument. It was this very formal household. And um, we nobody ever, like, played the record player. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I see. So when you meant you weren't allowed to play music. Yeah, I mean, we could, you everyone, you had we could to practice learn your, it. We could practice, we could practice piano. But like, okay. But then, so I always think of music. Um, my oldest brother, who's 12 years older than me, ended up being a DJ in college, and then he had a big radio show in Chicago in mm-hmm. the 80s, and he's always been very involved in music. And so I always think of music as sort of us, like the craft kids, like hanging out in his room, you know, um, kind of not hiding from my mother, though she did break Sticky Fingers. I remember her coming upstairs and looking at the album cover and smashing it. Really? And she also broke Yoko Ono's... Because you hadn't practiced yet? <laughs> because uh, she thought the album cover was... Oh, it was naughty. Naughty. Sure. And then um, she also broke the Yoko Ono. I'm trying to think what album was... Plastic Letters? Was that a Yoko Ono album? Well, they were the Plastic Ono Band. Plastic Ono Band. Something where she sang... She's probably naked on it, though. It was a song called Who Has Seen the Wind? Mm. And my mom... Was, Very naughty. It wasn't even... No, I think she yeah. is the wind in it. Right. But uh, anyway... She just broke it because it was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, I, yeah. that's shrieking. How dare you? Yeah. She broke up the Beatles. But my mom Smash. used to walk around the house singing, so I know a lot of like weird World War One songs and 1930s songs, you know, like Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree or Your mm-hmm. Feet Too Big for D-Bed and stuff mm-hmm. like these weird songs. Um, I, I feel that I, you and I have seen a concert together. We have. And I was, we were talking before, and I was saying how I feel like a lot of the stories uh, for you revolving around music that we were talking about are involving you being pretty bold. Yes. And that was one, I know it. Uh, the that, Yola Tango one? Yeah. That was one of my favorite nights of my entire life. Um, should we talk about that concert? Yes. All right, so I met. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear about one <laughs> right. of my favorite nights. Everyone just guess about it. Yeah. It was pretty great. Imagine it. It was awesome. Um, I met Yola Tango in New York. The first weekend I moved there in 05 was a friend of mine's wedding, mm-hmm. and he's a comedian, John Glazer, and Yola sure. Tango played at his wedding. They, he did? They did? Yeah, because they're wow. friends with a bunch of comedians in New York, and so um, John's an old friend of mine from Chicago. We went to world. Michigan together. Went to Michigan with you. Yeah. Um, he was one of my first comedy friends I ever met, and and went to the wedding, and, there's this, and I knew who Yola Tango was, but I was not as huge a fan as I am now, and... Uh, they sort of were in our world a little bit, and Ira and Georgia are, and James, they're all just really great people. And so they were coming to town and playing a concert at the El Rey, and, uh, and they told me, and so I went to see them. And they had been touring, I think, for a chunk of time. I don't know how long. And they, I think they were getting kind of bored with the tour. The idea behind the tour was like spin the wheel tour or something. The first act was, yeah, you spin, they spun this wheel. It was like, but they had a name for it. It was like the, the wheel, the tour wheel. Wheel Palooza. No, not not a queer no. name, not a dumb name, oh, a good sorry. name. <laughs> a good name like Spin the Wheel? It wasn't like Lilith Wheel or Wheel right. of Palooza. Sure, Monsters of Wheel. <laughs> um, but they, um, anyway, they had some wheel and they would have, did they have an audience member maybe spin it or something? I can't I remember. remember how the actual wheel was spun, but I just remember there were probably 20 pieces of the wheel pie. Yeah, and they, um, 
they, I, so when I walked in, I saw Ira and he said, Hey, we have this wheel thing. And, uh, if it lands on a certain, um, whatever pie segment, mm-hmm. uh, it will need somebody to come up and read a part in a script. Um, and I'd walked in with my friend, Andy Blitz, who, you know, is a comedy guy, mm-hmm. and Karen Kilgariff. He said, well, will one of you guys do it? And Andy said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd be up for that. And I was like, no, no, I want to do it. <laughs> and then, um, Andy was kind of being polite and I had the urge to be polite. Cause usually in that kind of situation, I would be polite and be like, oh no, if you really want to do it, you can do it. Cause I was sort of, that is my go-to is just kind of be like, it doesn't matter. But for some reason I was like, no, I really want to do it. Like that would be great. Sure. And, uh, Anyway, Ira just sort of shook his head and he was like, I'm just going to leave it up to you guys. Whoever comes up, that's fine. I just need one person. And uh, so they spun the wheel at the t- beginning of the concert. And and the other segments were like songs that begin with the letter M or right. you know, stuff from their album, from their band Condo Fucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it landed. On songs people love. Songs people love, not right. scripts we have to listen to. Right. <laughs> and it, list- it landed on um, the script. And I was like, yay! And I, I think I might have pushed Andy Blitz out of the way, maybe. Well, you, we were in the balcony, and you took off. I did. I think I literally pushed him out of the way. Like you... Like a bat out of hell. Literally, they said, okay, SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I turned, literally like, oh, didn't you? And you, it, was a, it was just like a puff of smoke. <laughs> there was like... And then you appeared on stage. Me. It was really weird. Yeah. And then when I ran up to the door, the security guard was like, are you Laura? Like they were expecting, they knew I would push Andy Plitz out of the way. We've highlighted your parts. (laughs) Yeah. They had. And then we proceeded to read a SpongeBob SquarePants script. And um, it was really, really fun. And I guess people in the audience were like, wow, they really read a whole SpongeBob SquarePants script. My memory of it was, and I was talking to Karen Kilgariff a little bit about this, but I was saying I'd never seen them before. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to see Yellow Tango. (laughs) And then, and then I was like, oh, wow, they're really reading this for half an hour. They're not playing any songs. They're, while they're reading. They will play songs. Let them do their thing. No doubt. And I was totally. Fly that free flag. And I guess. uh, It was liberating for them. They were telling me later that they did a whole, Georgia was telling me they did a whole Seinfeld script. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. SpongeBob is at least shorter. Right. Seinfeld, Seinfeld is like, right. you know, a 21 minute. Seinfeld has some jokes. You SpongeBob know. has jokes. But they're more visual jokes, aren't they? I've like, never oh, seen they, he's in a seashell. <laughs> this is me. What is SpongeBob again? Right. Like, he's a, I don't, I'm, I don't know. Right. He's a sponge. He's I'm not one of those people who like collects cartoon figure. You know, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Anything about you don't know the storylines of all of them. No, there's like a starfish. Well, the point would be that you know whatever. But they played for a really long time after that, and they were fantastic. And can't people do whatever they want and just you get can do off their you backs? Want. You've learned. <laughs> That's what I say. They're Yola Tango. They can do whatever they want. Listen, and everything they do is touched with magic, and I love them. They have a little magic dust. I agree. I'm just saying there were some songs I could have heard. That's all. Go you were terrific. And, wasn't I good? Yeah, you were very funny. Thank you. If it was, let's put it this way: if it wasn't you, I might have left the whole thing. <laughs> you know, but it was me. So that it was you. Sort of like, so I didn't have to stand on that. Yeah, outside. And you knew it was like a victorious. And it made you thing. very happy. Yeah, you I were, was. You so were a child. Yeah. Happy. Yeah, you could tell. Really happy. Yeah. I have never been happy up to that point. I had not been happy, and I have not been happy since. <laughs> but that was the day I was happy. Okay. Well, you seemed it. And I got a free T-shirt. You were also saying you. There are other bold moments. I thought mm-hmm. you just seem to have this bold streak. Well, I, I don't mean, know if it's throughout your life, but with these music. Well, here's the story. I, I was. I think you're talking. There's one story that I was thinking about. I've been thinking about a lot lately because I just can't believe. Here's well. Here's some. All right. So, you know, I'm not a particularly bold person, and I um, am very like a rule follower. You know, I really feel comfortable within the paradigm of like strict rules. Like Mm I um, pay my taxes on time. Like I'm not uh, somebody who thinks that I get to be in places. But then sometimes I'll walk or something. And like usually when I'm going for a long walk, I just start sort of spinning out in my head where I just start spoiling for a fight. Like not a fight (laughs) where I would bully somebody, but where I hope somebody's purse gets stolen so I can chase somebody down and like kick (laughs) ass or beat up a car or just like, I just get this rage inside of me. 
So this was um, a lot. My mom saw me once walking to my piano lesson. She drove by me, and I guess I was in one of those, and she said, you were walking mean. What was that? And so in my head, I always call that walking mean. I just want to, like, ugh. Uh-huh. And so I'd been, I was in college, and I, um, it was freshman year, and an arch nemesis of mine from high school was on my dorm floor. Mm-hmm. Indiana was a huge school. And the chances of somebody from my high school right. being on my dorm floor and like everybody was didn't know what to make of me. I, I just I was very unhappy there freshman year, and I remember I was walking home from class and I was probably walking super mean. And I lived in the the dorm that had all the sports people. I'm not a sports fan either. All the football players and stuff. And there was a football player with like a 90 inch neck who was a junior who had a crush right. on me. This huge guy, and uh, he would always I, I just I don't know what I didn't know what to make. He was like the size of like a house, and he was always like we should hang out. I was like I I think. And then, do what? Talk about sports? I was like, no. But uh, so I was walking mean. I was just like, I got to get out of this place. And so I went up to his dorm room and he was all happy. I knocked on the door and I was like, can I have your car keys? And he said, sure. Should we take, are we taking a road trip? And I was like, no, I am. And I took his keys and I got in his car and I just drove out of town. And I didn't know where I was going. I just drove north. I drove to Indianapolis, which I am not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I was driving down the highway and I saw a sign for College Avenue. And I thought, well, that's probably a pretty safe street. And so I um, pulled off in College Avenue. And it is, there's like, you know, a lot of like people our age or, you know, when I was a college kid, college age kids, and there's like clubs and stuff. And I was driving down the street and I passed a club, the Vogue, and had the line in front of it. So I just parked and I went up the line. I said to someone like, what is this for? And they said, oh, the Violent Femmes are playing. I was like, okay. And I walked up to the doorman and I said, I'm with the band. And he was like, pardon me? And I was like, and I just sort of walked in <laughs> and um, he didn't stop me because why wouldn't I? I look sure. Normal. And this is a, a caveat is that there's a great advantage to just being like, a, I mean, just a, a lady kind of, you can kind of go and do whatever you want <laughs> and nobody ever stops you because like right now I could rob a bank or, you know, kind of do anything and people aren't going to be like, oh, that white blonde lady came in. I, can, right. I feel like I gives me like a. Almost like a get a free pass, right? A free pass to at least get in until I yeah. fuck some shit up. So I you get entree into many things. You really do the lady it's, rule. It's really unfair, but kind of you might as well appreciate it. So I take advantage. Walked in and uh, they get, they showed me where the backstage was, and I just sort of stood backstage. And the Violent Femmes are like from Milwaukee or something. They're all so polite. They're really tiny. They, so they just saw me standing <laughs> they there. They are. They are. They're really tiny. Huh. The lead singer is like the size of a teardrop. He's like probably equal <laughs> really? size to a teardrop. Yeah. And, uh, Would not have guessed that. They didn't say anything to me, and I didn't say anything to them. And I think they thought I was with the club, and the club thought I was with the band, so I just sort of stood there. And they were all just like talking to each other. You know, they're on, on the road, tired, kind of smelly. And then they um, went to get up and play, and I remember them saying, like, hi, really shyly to me as they passed to go on stage. And then I sort of followed them, and I stood in the wings, and I was just kind of thinking, like, what am I doing? This is nuts. <laughs> and I was just thinking, what am I doing? They didn't know any of their songs at that point. And I was like, this is what am I doing? What am I doing? And then... Um, and then um, Blister in the Sun came on, and I just got up on stage. And I just stood there on stage with them while they were singing that song. And they were looking at me, and I was looking at them, and it was just kind of like, huh. And then the song ended, and I just walked off the stage, and I walked out to my car, and I drove back to college. And I remember I stopped, and I filled up the tank with gas, and I got this guy um, a liter of this cherry or strawberry soda called Big Red, because Indiana's Big Red. And I said, thank you so much for letting me use your car. And I went back to my room and I was like, that was weird. It's just like this weird solo adventure. But um, anyway, so I... That is weird. It is weird. I remember just laying in bed that night and I had this roommate named Herb. And um, she was really, she was just crazy. She worshipped the devil. She would stay up all night. She'd gone there on a diving scholarship and washed out right away. And stayed asleep all day, up all night, had an altar to Satan in the corner. I would wake up and she would just be sitting on my bed watching me. And she was just the creepiest. She ended up leaving at Thanksgiving. So this must have been in the fall around Thanksgiving. And she <laughs> just joined the military and no one ever saw her again. She Herb. Herb. It was when Burger King had a uh, Where's Herb campaign. And so like the first week of, <laughs> of school, we stole a big sign from the Burger King as a present for her. And she was just like, how dare you? <laughs> it was really weird. I was going to say that can either make someone really happy or really miserable. It made her really the miserable. Where's Herb campaign. And I think about it like my family is so supportive and they would send me like care packages with right. cookies. And 
I had all my, we brought a U-Haul of my stuff down to school and I had like, you know, all, I outfitted my room and she, the sticky fingers album was taped up again. Sticky finger. I can do it. It's my, yeah. my room oh, now. I'm sorry. That was all like Mary Mecco, like ridiculously polite stuff. And, uh, I remember her birthday was like the first week of school and our parents sent her a package that was a carton of cigarettes and a box of tampons. Oh my God. And I was like, well, no wonder she hates me. I'm like, do you want a cookie? My right. mom spent me money for pizza. Like we can do whatever, you know? Yeah. But so that was poor Herb. I know. Poor Herb. She's fine. She's fine. She's like in the Navy SEAL somewhere. She's from Mansfield, Ohio, which is where the gates to hell were. So she told me. There you go. You, you just uh, explained a lot. Yeah, right? Ohio. Come on. Ohio. Yeah. So. And then you were saying you met uh, another Indiana legend. I did. Um, this is, uh, so I was a writer on the Colbert Report and um, every night they would always have these really cool guests and um, the writer's you were like on the top floor of that building, but so it's not like you would interact with the guests at all. The producers would handle the guests. And, um, but sometimes if it was somebody you had a big crush on or you were very intrigued by, or you just wanted to see what they look like or whatever, you know, you could always go to the tapings and half of us had to stay for the tapings in case there were rewrite stuff needed. Um, but, um, you would go and you'd just sort of look at somebody and, you know, Nobody. Sometimes, if it was somebody you were a huge fan of, you could ask the producer, like, "Can you have? Can you just introduce me or something?" Mm-hmm. But um, John Mellencamp was on, and it was when he was doing like those Chevrolet ads. Remember that? He's like, I don't remember oh, he that. Had this whole campaign that was like Chevy Tough or Ram Tough or I don't know, some pickup truck uh-huh. ad campaign. And uh, the other writers were sort of like John Mellencamp, and I was like John Mellencamp because <laughs> yeah. in Bloomington, John Mellencamp is king. I mean, he's lives there. Right. There's a lot of musical people. Who Doesn't live he have there. a pink house there. I don't know if it's or is that a myth. I think it's a myth. I don't know. I don't know what his house looks like, and I'll tell you why. I'll is that never a rural know. legend. Um, <laughs> the opposite of an urban myth is yeah. a rural legend. Yeah, I don't. I can't answer. I but he know. lives there. He he lives there. He's like one of the big stars, and who lives there? And then um, there's a blues lady who lives there too, whose name is escaping me. But anyway, Bloomington is actually a really beautiful town, and it's a beautiful place to live. And you know, um, I've been there once on a fraternity prank. Really? Yeah. What? Sad story. What fraternity were you in? I was in Sigma Nu for a month, and they took us. I went to Michigan with the aforementioned John Glazer, and they, and who was actually directing a comedy show that I was in at the time. Ah. But I didn't have many friends, so I rushed Sigma Nu, which was like a cool, supposedly cool, like arty fraternity. The arty fraternity yeah. is a great term. Yeah. And everyone was really hot. That's why I got in. Mm. But, um, Anyway, we took a road trip uh, about a month into my pledge uh, pledge ship, and they tried pulling our. I may have told the story on this podcast before, but they tried pulling our underwear over our heads from and the so, bottom up. From the eat like a wedgie, but pull it out, like all the way over. But we all knew that was going to happen, so none of us wore underwear. So like they'd go to each one of us like, "All right, Price, it's you. Oh, dude, oh, you're not wearing underwear. Oh, you're so dead, dude. You're so dead." And then they'd be like, "All right, Hellsberg, oh, you're not wearing it either." Like. Anyway, so we ended up in Bloomington. They were like, we're going we're gonna to kill you guys in Bloomington. We're going to kill you guys. And and they, nothing happened, but then I was like, I got to get out of this thing. But Glazer and a bunch of other people in the comedy troupe were like, you, you can't be in a fraternity, dude. It's lame. It's really lame. That. Anyway, so I depledged. But anyway, so sorry. That was the only time I was in Bloomington. You know, I actually, I went to Indiana and I did not Underwear get into free. a sorority freshman year. And that's one of the reasons I was so unhappy because my the people I was friends with did. Right. And I was miserable. And yeah. that's when I was walking mean and driving to Indianapolis and hanging out with the violent femmes. Yep. But then, and that's when I started doing improv. And that's one of the people in my group was, it was this weird townie group. I went to the town library to rent blues records because I was so sad. And I saw a sign saying audition for this improv group. And I did. And it was, everybody auditioned got in and we just did theater games. There were six people in it. Dale, a trucker named Dale mm-hmm. and some librarian lady. And then Brian Stack. Okay. And then who's a writer at Conan now Mm -hmm. and was in my second city cast with me. And it was this weird improv group run by a a pagan Wiccan lady, high priestess, with an androgynous child that we never knew the sex of. (laughs) And then um, that's weird, isn't it? That is weird. And he was like, oh, you're going to be in for sorority. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. And then I was in a sorority. Yep. And then I got kicked out of the sorority. Okay. Yeah. It's It's good. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You're, You're all for the better. Yeah. Super happy now. But <laughs> everything's going great. Yeah, you seem great. Yeah, but when you were in, thirteen's my year. But this is it. But when you were, so you're on Colbert. So I'm on Colbert, and uh, anyway, Mellencamp is the guest, and um, I'm. I just want. I'm 
Okay, I, another thing really quickly. I was a waitress at Indiana, and I one time it was really crowded, and I um, brought a, ba- a tray, and I spilled a tray of French fries on his head. <laughs> and uh, How is that possible? Well, holding a tray of French fries. He's sitting down. He's sitting down. Okay. He spilled it. It was very crowded. Sure. Someone jostled me. The tray went down, and, and French fries spilled all over him. And a margarita, a strawberry margarita, hit the ground. Oh, God. But anyway, so um, was he cool about it? He or was, was he so like, nice about it. Me? I still got a huge tip. Mm. He was really nice about it. And then after that, he used to always call me French fry girl because he so, saw you in the restaurant. Yeah, every That's time he would come into sure. the, the bar, and um, and so I he's on the show, and I was like, oh my god, John Mellencamp's on the show, and I, I think I told a bunch of my Indiana friends, and uh, and I went after the after work, I went down to just sort of sometimes. So you wouldn't interact so much with the guests, but you'd walk by. I was I'd always call it leering it, and I'd go. I'd say, I'm going to go take a leer, and I'd go leer at mm-hmm. the guests. And uh, I was walking by, and, and I said to the producer, like, what's he like? Is he nice? And she said, oh, God, he's so nervous. Actually, you're good at this. Go talk to him. And I was like, I can't, I can't talk to John Mellencamp. She's like, no, no, just go. You know, I know you went, you're you excited for him to be here. Just go tell him you're a writer and, you know, say hi. So I knocked on the door, and I was like, hi, this, this doesn't sound weird, but do you remember a girl who dropped French fries on your head? That was me. I'm a writer here now. And... He was like, I do vaguely remember that. And he was just chain smoking. He was really nervous. Um, and he ended up, I ended up sitting there and talking to him for a couple hours. And he, really? we, had, we just hit it off. He's awesome. He's so funny and kind and interesting, but kind of king of the hill, you know, like he's this big fish in Bloomington, but then also, and in the music world. And, you know, he's a storyteller, as you can tell from his songs, where he's like spinning all these yarns. And he's telling me about how. Um, the Dalai Lama's brother had moved to Bloomington, and now there's this big Tibetan population, and I have to come check it out. And we're, and and we just had this great conversation, and um, we really just got along. Like you know, when you meet people, and you're like, we would be friends. Yeah. But he's a celebrity, and I, I don't know. I have like this weird like either if I see a celebrity, I either kind of get like, um, now what do you do? <laughs> like you know. Yeah, I died. Yes, I, I do. Just that something often. where you don't want to act like, or I, I just am an Uber fan. I just like I just think you're fantastic, and I just love you, and yeah, I just want you to know. And I don't care if it comes off as bad or whatever. I just, you just do such great things. And I want you to know that you've got so many fans or whatever. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm either Uber fan or I act like I've never, I was just telling Matt Belknap this, that I met somebody who's very, very famous and very talented. And I acted like I had never seen him before in my life. I sat next to him and I was just like, Hey, what's up, man? You know, just no, I, you know, you didn't say like, you're so, did you like, were you a fan of his? Yep. Big fan. Huge fan. But I had already, I'd already started my, my route. I'd already started my non-fan route. You know what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't make the U-turn. It was too late. I guess my thing... I you got to die I, right in, I if think. If I start talking to them, I say I'm a fan. But it, I guess my thing is, I, if I don't interact, like if I know that they're famous, but I can kind of see they don't want to be bugged, then I kind of am like, who sure. are you? But if I talk to them at all, I always am like... You're an amazing musician. No? I Yeah, I just started my super cool route. That's so funny. And I couldn't get out of it. Who was it? And so we were... It was, John, it was John Glazer. It's John Glazer? No. He's a very cruel man. I, I love John Glazer. Um, it was just... It was, a, it was a TV personality. Who was it? He, you know what? I'd, I'd, it doesn't matter right. who it was. It doesn't matter. It was Ed Asner. Was it really? No, it wasn't. Oh, he'd be cool. Yeah, I would have said Ed Asner. Yeah. That's the other thing. He's kind of our age. Like, so I, that was the other thing. I don't know. I just felt... I didn't do it. Doesn't fair matter. enough. Fair enough. Don't let it's it fine. haunt you. You should have said something. It was Schmidt from New Girl. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> He's really funny. He is very funny. Um, but I would take the super cool route with Schmidt, too, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I always... It's just, lame. You should go. You should just say they're talented and that's it. Move on. I want people to know how happy they make me. And I, I agree. really pleased by I'm not proud how of myself great people when I do are. It. I don't feel good. I'm, I think I might be like a huge fan of things where I'm like so impressed that people mm-hmm. are great. But anyway, so John Mellencamp, I was like, I think you're great, and, you know, and uh, and we talked and we got along like gangbusters. <laughs> but at the end of the conversation, he said, well, you should come visit Bloomington. When was the last time you were back? And I said, oh, I haven't been back since the year after I graduated. And he said, um, well, come visit. Stay with us. You know, let's exchange information and come to Bloomington. We have a huge house. So you can just hang out, stay with us, and I'll show you around how the town has changed. And I was like, oh, no, God, that's okay. And then he was like, no, seriously, let's exchange information. And I said, no, God, no, no, you just, uh, you don't have to do that. Um, no, no, just have fun on the show. And then just everything changed between us. And I could tell that he thought that maybe I'd just been buttering him up for the uh, sake of the show, which I guess had ostensibly been what I went in there for. But right. after a while, after a couple hours, we were like friends. And, yeah. and then it was uh, oh, so awkward. And then 
And then he said, he made one more thing of like, honestly, it's fine or something. And I was like, no, no, God, that's okay. I don't know if I thought I would get in trouble also, like if it's kind of not kosher for a writer to go in on a show and be like, and then I became friends with John Mellencamp later, Colbert. Like it just seems a little like. I'm going to go right on Mellencamp tonight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could have made the jump like we've all been trying to. Tonight on Mellencamp tonight. I just remember walking home. I lived in Soho and and Colbert was in Midtown and just like in the 40s, just kind of being like, I can't believe. 30s, kind of crying a little. 20s, sobbing. <laughs> like in meatpacking. Like sobbing because you want, you wished you would have given him your information? I, mean, I should be friends with John Mellencamp. Yeah. Come on. we. And then he and Elaine Irwin broke up and he started dating Meg Ryan and they lived right near me. In Soho? Well, I had, had at that point moved back but to in LA. New York. In New York. And okay. then I had gone back to New York for a chunk for a job and I would see them and I was like, I saw them in a grocery store. Is there a chance he thought... That you thought this is kind of complicated, but he thought it, it just he was like, oh, I hope she doesn't think, or maybe she does think I'm like trying to get her number. No, like it was a friendship thing. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I'm super hot. Don't get me wrong, but super. It was not like a hey. It was just like hey, you can Same. hang out with me and my wife. We live in Bloomington. Right. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't because it, okay, right. But I like that you went there because obviously, I must put out that vibe. He could have been the Diane to his Jack. I could have. We could have done a little ditty. Yeah. Gone behind the tasty freeze. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you haven't, you haven't seen him when they move near you, he and Meg Ryan? Well, no, I, I Are was, they still an item? Yeah, they are. Okay. According, I mean, I'm a pretty avid tabloid reader. and uh, Sure. As far as the tabloids know. I see you on all the farm aid threads, too. Yeah. Huge. Well, here's the thing. Blood on the something, blood on the plow. Blood on the tractor. Remember that song? Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Blood on the Scarecrow? Rain on the Scarecrow. Isn't it Blood on the Scarecrow? Blood on the... We don't <laughs> we're know. We're going to have to get some clarification on up? this. <laughs> Laura just asked Sean if he was looking it up, and Sean didn't even say anything. Just no, just shook his head no. It'd be kind of cool will, if you did look it up. I am not looking it up. I'm not looking up Blood on the Scarecrow. That is hilarious. It's, it's, it's Rain on the Scarecrow. The There's no blood is, at all? lyric is Rain on the Scarecrow? The song is called Rain oh, okay. on the Scarecrow. But look at the lyrics. The lyric is... Well, um, I don't know the lyrics to anything. This is you knew the, one word of that one. That's true. Scarecrow. Plow. Maybe that's why John Mellencamp wanted to hang out with you, because he knew you weren't going to just quote his lyrics all the time, like I would do if I was hanging I out with him. I love that I'm getting embarrassed again right now. Like, I'm sure he didn't want to hang out with me. But may, I mean, sure he, he did. did offer several times. Listen, Midwestern folks, and he seems like a genuine, like he lives he's there. He's so genuine. He really so, is so... They're just nicer. Midwestern really people are nice. just nicer. Mm-hmm. If you met, you know, if he was from Connecticut or some one of those, cold, yeah, cold, cold states, one of those liberal elite states, they're cold out there. Yeah, Indiana, they'd be yeah. like, "Do you want some casserole?" There's fried onions yeah. on top. <laughs> There's potato chips on top. I love those fried onions. Me too. Hold on, Matt Belknap, give me the lyric once. Once an episode, Matt Belknap. Uh, okay, the you may be talking about scarecrow on a wooden cross, blackbird in the barn. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Rain on the scarecrow, blood on the plow. Oh, there is this, blood. This land fed a nation. This land made me proud. Okay. Yeah. Now Which, it's taken over by AgriCorps. Don't get me started on about well, that. Well, you think it's a upbeat. And then the next like, lyric is, the next line is, and son, I'm just sorry. There's no legacy for you now. Okay. Yeah. Took a sad turn. It, yeah, well. Maybe he didn't want you to get involved in his sadness. So maybe the turn became like, I actually really like this woman. I think she seemed pretty happy. I don't want her to go down the rabbit hole with me because hmm. I know America's going down in a downward spiral. I'm sure that's what it was. He's a really thoughtful guy. He is really thoughtful. <laughs> doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't. Well, thank you for telling us those tales of um, boldness. Thank you for having me. Um, and maybe if he listens to the show, maybe we could, you know, get you guys on together sometime. Oh my God, can you imagine? Would that be? Would you be up for that? What if he was? What if you had him on and he was like, "I had no intention of you visiting me." I don't know what you're talking about. This is all in your head. You've created this fantasy where somehow you've hurt my feelings. And I'm John Mellencamp and nothing hurts my feelings. Corporations taking over farms. That's what hurts my feelings. Not some writer who thought you invited, you wanted to hang out with her in Bloomington. Go get tater tots and see a basketball game. You dumped fries on my head. You dumped fries on my head. 
Those hurt. I were hot. I had salt and in my hair for years, <laughs> Miss. I almost had to wash my hair. I'm going to get him on, and we're going to get you guys together and all figure right. this out. All right? Would you be up for that? I would be up for that. I guess I'd be if I'm free, if I'm available. Yeah. I mean, I might be busy. I'm supposed to have the lead singer Midnight Oil next month. But maybe Are you I'll, kidding I'll me? Bump him. I am kidding you. <laughs> I know. That'd be I great. love him. That tall. But guy. I'm so glad you thought that was a possibility. I love Midnight Oil. I was just listening to them yesterday. I do have an email out to Thomas Dolby, and I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah, I love I Thomas Dolby. All right, I'll let you know about that one. That album is really great. The one with She Blinded Me With Science. Yeah, I don't know. Is there even another one? I don't know. Okay. We'll find out when I have him on. Okay. In 2015. Laura Kraft, everybody. Thank you very much. How about that Laura Kraft, everybody, from my hometown? We talked a lot about Bloomington, but she's from Evanston IL, folks, representing the 847. Um, that song also, that song was called Time by the Mowgli's. Uh, if you want to download it, it's off their EP, Love's Not Dead. Unless you're Laura Kraft talking to John Mellencamp. That love was dead. Uh, I thought of one thing when Kraft, uh, Kraft was talking about uh, meeting a... Uh, Someone, a celebrity or somebody that you love. I met the drummer for Wilco. Wilco's like my favorite band. And I met the drummer for Wilco. And I had, I did, that was the other reaction I sometimes have where I'm just totally speechless. Like I shook his hand and I was very aware. I didn't want to hurt his hand, <laughs> his drumming hand. I was very, and he had his very soft hands. And I, I was like delicately, like very awkwardly shaking it, like very weirdly. And I couldn't look him in the eye because I was like, oh my God, you're the drummer of Wilco. You're the heavy metal drummer. And I, oh man, and then I, anyway, it's really awkward. So that was the in-between. That's why I go like super excited or super cool because that way is the worst way and I, there's so much I wanted to ask him. Anyway, all right. So uh, I'm sitting across from uh, uh, someone, a, a very funny man who I've known since uh, comedy days back in New York City. Yes. Yes. Uh, he has a, a podcast. Yes. You have a few podcasts, but you have the Long Shot podcast. Right. That's the big one. It's the biggie. Mm-hmm. That's the one everyone's talking about. And that's the one that gets all the press. All the, all the hubbub. Yes. It's on Pod the, Times. The blue. Yeah. The print copy Pod Pods Times. Pods are us. Pods are us. <laughs> and uh, uh, Pod it up. Uh, Sean Conroy. Rising. Hey. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Matt. Um... We haven't spoken in 15 years. This is great. I know. We have so much to cover um, <laughs> in like seven minutes. Oh, dear. Man. I was, Laura was here for much well, longer. Than uh, by the way, I just, just yeah, off okay. oh, what sorry. you were just talking about in yeah. terms of playing it cool with celebrities, mm-hmm. just so you know, and I don't know this from personal experience, but I've been told this by celebrities. They always know you know who they are. Of course. So if you're playing it cool, they're like... What an asshole, you know? You know, the other thing, too, is that they like when you say good job. That's of course they why do. they're doing it. Yes. No celebrity, even Don Henley, who's super intense, as I have mentioned, no celebrity is going to be like, um, or, or not celebrity, you know, just sort of an arty, you know, whatever, uh, uh, musician on an obscure band or what have you. They love it. Yeah. Please. Although I'm sure there are some, some, uh, and I can't think of a story off the top of my head, but where somebody's like, you think I do this for your adulation, man? Sure. You of know, course. Like, but if you went up to anybody and you were like, yeah, there's that person, no <laughs> doubt. But you generally know who that person Axel is. Axl Rose. Yeah. Go fuck yourself, man. But if you went up to Axl Rose and yeah. you were like, really quick, and it just has to, as long as you do it quickly, like really quickly, I love Welcome to the Jungle. I played in my wedding. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. That's it. Um, if you hang around and you're like, hey, you know, can you come uh, meet my uh, my buddies? Don't, well, no, yeah. Don't, that's a, that's don't a, talk yeah. though? Yeah. The same person who told me about how everybody always knows who, you know, like he knows who everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He's also like, then it's a problem when they're like, let me buy you a drink. Exactly. And you're like, no, I'm okay. Oh, really? You're going to be a douchebag and not let me buy you a drink? Yeah. You know? I think you just preface it by saying like, hey, da-da-da-da-da. That's all I want to say. Period. Now, if you want to talk to me more, I'm happy to do that. But sure. You, you can, yeah, you can sort of leave the door open. Right. I might be taking off. I might be sticking around. Yeah, Let me know if I'll you want to chat. Be over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah here's my number. 
At Whale Cave. Um, okay, so like Laura Kraft, who, yes. who played instruments. Yes. You were saying you played an instrument. I did. I, I happened to go to school a very long time ago when people still paid for, you know, when students were still allowed to do that kind of thing. I don't know. I, I don't think that happens anymore. I think you have to, like, do it privately. I'm not sure. What do you mean? Like in public school, they don't have music programs so much anymore. Well, they're all cut, yeah. Been cut. But like in third grade, everybody played the recorder, period. Right, yeah. You know? And I'm sure that drove drove parents crazy. But yeah, we all walked around whistling like the Pied Piper, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then in fourth grade, you got to choose an instrument. And I don't know what made anybody choose anything. Like, what do you know when when you're... Nine years old, I want to do this for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know? But I picked the saxophone. Wow. Because I was a huge Miles Davis fan when I was nine. And, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I don't know why. But uh, I played the saxophone, and I played the alto for two years, and then I played the tenor sax. Uh, and so by seventh grade, I was fairly proficient, and they had a thing in my junior high school called the the stage band. So what, you know, there was the orchestra, which uh-huh. was like, everybody was in the orchestra, but then there was a stage band, which actually toured all the elementary schools or 10 elementary schools. The cream of the crop. Yeah. And, uh, and I still remember as a kid, when I was in elementary school, I remember how exciting it was when the stage band would come and play because the big thing that they would play that the kids would all sing and dance along to, and you can't even sing along to these songs, but <laughs> it was like the theme to the pink Panther Mm-hmm. The Hawaii Five O theme, and a very rousing rendition of "Let the Sunshine In" from Hair. You know, the dawning sure. of the age of Aquarius, yeah. which has an amazing horn part. You know, and, and were you uh, all nude when you were doing that? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that's a whole other story. Is that in sixth grade, my entire class went on a trip to Washington D.C. for three days. And the big activity one night was that everybody was going to go see the movie Hair. Mm. <laughs> and you had to get... When you were uh, in sixth grade? Yeah. You had to get a permission slip signed by your parents. Wow. And my brother was in fifth grade, was on the same trip with me. And we were the only two kids whose parents would not sign that permission slip. So everybody else... Because of the nudity involved? Yeah. Or the anti-war sentiment or both? My parents are very pro-war. Uh, <laughs> they're very into war. They're both part of the military-industrial complex. Sure. Uh, no, because of the nudity. Because my parents are like super religious and were very uptight about that stuff. And they wouldn't sign it. So, so Chris, my brother, and I did not get to go see hair with the other 65 members of our two classes and it was just embarrassing what are we know? doing with the conroy boys they took us to see the movie the champ are you kidding with little ricky schroeder yeah well that's a good movie though yeah but you still feel like an asshole you know oh yeah i'm sure it was terrible for you but uh, in retrospect, it was very embarrassing but not a not a terrible movie you know no. very sad very sad yeah it actually is super sad sad, sad. Yeah. yeah john boyd why champ why <laughs> why champ why champ <laughs> So sad. Uh, but anyway, so I was in the stage band in seventh grade, and it was one of those things where you got jackets, you know, like terrible satin-esque mm-hmm. uh, jackets, and uh, <laughs> Mr. Chido was the was the band director, mm-hmm. and he so he he conducted the orchestra which I was in, which was like just all seventh graders, but then the stage band was seventh, eighth, and ninth graders, so. In the orchestra, there were lots of people who didn't know how to play their instruments. And every time somebody made a mistake and we were playing something, he was like, hey, you just, like, he would stop everything. I swear every time he did this, he'd stop everything. He goes, hey, you just made a mistake. <laughs> and then he would go, you know, I made a mistake once. It took a left turn, ended up here. I should have gone right where I went left. Like, every single time he made a joke about how he made a mistake (laughs) by coming to become the band director at this school and uh everybody would laugh you know like not in a funny way but in a like haha that's very funny you know yeah because he wanted a good grade um buttering up mr chido good old mr chido but then once we were we were on tour I was on tour when I was 12, and I just wanted to get through the show and get backstage and start drinking. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. And Long nights, a lot of hotels. Yeah. You wake up, you don't know where you are. There was a uh, 
VCR on the bus. We watched a lot of no um, champ over and over. Yeah. So he something happened. I don't know. He snapped. Like he was conducting the band, and I don't know. The trumpets made a mistake of some sort. I'm not sure what it was. And so we're still playing. He has his back to this whole elementary school assembly full of kids, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's screaming and going. You trumpets come from the shit. What? You come from the fucking shit. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Like screaming. With the student body in there? Yeah, they couldn't hear him because we were still playing. Oh, oh. oh. So we could hear what he was saying because he was facing us and we could read his lips and hear what he was saying, but they could not. Oh, and man. Um, I don't know what the upshot of that was. I don't even know if there was any upshot, but to me, it was the first time I ever saw an adult completely lose control. In an inappropriate situation. Yeah. You know, like he should not, he should definitely not have been doing that. And no. once he did that, he should have like gone on vacation for six weeks. Yeah. You know, um, kids, I took a left turn. <laughs> I made a, a really mistake big once. Left turn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was, man. So he didn't, so it wasn't like he was, you came to rehearsal the next day and he was like so mr child's gone i don't think gone. so no i don't think this he is ever mrs. was fellner yeah mrs mrs fellner you made a mistake <laughs> i made a mistake too zip he unzips and it's mr chido in a mrs <laughs> fellner suit <laughs> in his famous mrs fellner suit but it was funny because it was like i did think it was really cool to be in the stage band yeah because i was only in seventh grade and there were seventh eighth and ninth graders mm-hmm. you know and so uh you had to be good to be in that. And I was like, I'm the man. And then I immediately quit playing the saxophone when I went to high school. Okay, so not because of Mr. Chido. No, I, I, I skipped eighth grade, actually, and went to a Catholic high school. I did not know that. Yeah, I was I was super uh, smart, really. Like You might be our first skip here. Incredibly, okay. incredibly smart. It was the worst mistake I ever made. Okay. But uh, Sorry. went to an all-boys Catholic high school, and Mrs. Kirk... Mrs. Kirk was the band director, and she had a giant bristly mustache, and that just freaked me out so much that I could not go to band practice. A legitimate mustache? I mean, or a kid. She wasn't like the bearded vision. lady, but you know, right? It was definitely like it was there. There's a little hair, uh, and I just didn't know how to deal with that. I couldn't handle it. I was sure. like, "Wow, a lady with a mustache? Ugh, I got to get out of here." No more saxophone for me. I think I played for a little while after because by then I was taking private lessons at home. I had a guy come into the house and teaching me stuff, and you know. Blown out a little green dolphin street here and there. Or, uh, <laughs> was it Mr. Chida? It was not Mr. Chida. Oh, okay. It was this guy named Peter who was, I think it's Peter Anderson was his name. And he was like this blonde dude with like a 70, like a huge 70s mm-hmm. porno mustache, you know. But he was awesome. He was like, if you ever feel bad about how you're playing, just take your sacks in the shower and blow, man. Because it will <laughs> come back to you off the tile and it'll sound amazing. <laughs> Which was true. I would do that. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go in the shower and play. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where you wish you kept playing for a long time. Yeah. You, mean, you, so you couldn't pick it up now. I tried a few years ago. But actually, back in New York, I was in a, a group there where we did some musical stuff. And I figured out a way that I could play sax in the show. But I I had lost my embouchure. Mm. And was not able to get it back. And then, of course, I, instead of carrying the sacks back and forth with me every time we had a performance, I left the sacks in the theater and it was stolen. Uh, right. So that was the end of that. That's that. You, you only buy one $1,200 saxophone when you're... A year? Yeah. Oh, in a lifetime. Enough is enough. Right. You know? Yeah. It was a message from God. Um, message you, received. You, <laughs> loud and clear. <laughs> um, you're also telling me... Uh, about a Billy Joel concert you went to. One of many Billy Joel concerts I've been you're to. You're a fan. Well, you're from the New York area. Uh, yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I guess I was a fan, you know, or still am. I like, I like his old, his old music. I have like weird, I have like weirdly eclectic mainstream music tastes, you know, like I went to see Run DMC and the Beastie Boys at the Garden in 87, but then that same year, I went to see Billy Joel at Yankee Stadium. But two super popular right. groups at but, the time. But very different genres. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
quite different. We get it. You're well-rounded. <laughs> not at all. All I'm saying yeah. is I do what everybody else does, but also okay. what everybody everybody else does. So we get it. You're not well-rounded. Correct. Yeah. That's why uh, you quit the saxophone. Did not want to be too well-rounded. Yeah. And couldn't appreciate that woman's mustache. I also no longer paint. I hmm. don't speak any romance languages. So sorry. And my cooking has gone out the window. <laughs> um, There's still time. No, I went to a Billy Joel concert. This was, I believe, my sophomore year of college. And one of the guys on my hall said, oh, I have tickets. Do you want to come? So there's a big group of us, but I didn't know a lot of the people that we were with. And we we got to the shows at a place called the Worcester Centrum, mm-hmm. which is actually a great venue for music, very popular back in, in that time, in that de- you know, back in the 40s and 50s. And, uh, when you went to school. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, so anyway, we, we got to our seats and there was an open seat right in front of me, but there were two women directly to the left of that seat who were standing up the whole time mm-hmm. and dancing. And now, you know, you say it's a concert, people should be allowed to, and I totally agree, but if nobody else is standing up and sort of dancing along, then you're being a jerk to the people behind you right. by blocking their view. That's always a tough spot because you you sh- I don't know, I always feel like people should be allowed to appreciate it. Right. But I do yeah, I know I know you're saying. Yeah, my thing was we're all going to get up. Tour, we're all going to sit down, we're going to get up again, we're going to sit down. Well, you like you said with Ron DMC, you do what the people do. Right. Yeah. You're right. not I'm, making I'm, choices. I'm I'm a member of the school of fish. I'm not Yes. the lead fish. No. Is there a lead fish in a school? I don't know. There must be. Well, there's a teacher. God damn it, Price. There's a Mr. Chido of the fish <laughs> who's yelling. We made a wrong turn. I took a wrong turn. I went upstream. <laughs> then I went downstream. Um, Fuck you. But this was my choice was rather than just being like, okay, I'm going to – because it wasn't even blocking my view. It was blocking the people next to me. Right, yeah. Who I kind of knew but didn't know that well. But I had the open seat in front of me. So I climbed over into the open seat and I turned to these girls and I said, hey, listen, we're right behind you. And, you know, it's fun to dance and everything. But (laughs) when everybody else isn't doing it, you're just blocking everybody's view. And they got so hot and were like – we paid $25 for these seats and you can't tell us what to do. And I was like, all right, we'll just think about it. I felt like I was being really quite reasonable. Yeah. You know? It sounds like you're quite, quite was diplomatic. Yeah. Um, was the concert going on and the concert was going on. It had already started. Yes. So Allentown's happening. I, I, I think it was like, <sighs> yeah. it was like right at that part. Um, I love reenacting that part. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> I think I do it every four shows. I, I reenact that part of Allentown. <laughs> I, uh, so I got back in my seat and just then this guy came and sat in the seat that I had been in and it was the boyfriend of one of the girls mm. and they started telling him the whole story about how I'd come down and I had told them not to stand up and blah, 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 but they were sitting down at this point. So, okay. so it worked to a, to a point okay. because things take a turn. Sure. As in any good dramatic story. <laughs> Uh, See, I thought the story was over. No, no, no. Oh, there's more. Yeah, that would be great. Sorry. So anyway, I got these girls to sit down. Yeah, and and, uh, uh, the concert was great. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Uh, I wish you would. I wish you would tour more. And then you Uh, play sax for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds terrible because my embouchure is gone. Little Uh, (laughs) downtown. But uh, so then, so he hears the whole story from them. We're standing. You know, we're sitting behind them. Whatever. I can see. You know, you can just feel when there's some tension rising sure. in the air. And the guy goes to put his arm around his girlfriend mm. and elbows me in the knee as he puts his arm around her. Okay. Now, obviously, if you're sitting in rows, your legs are going to be behind the person in front of you. That's how seating works. Sure. The mechanics of seating work, yeah, work yeah. thusly. I mean, unless we all, unless like every row was one seat and it went in a counterclockwise direction all the way up, you're <laughs> right. going to have, you know. That's so anyway, way. he turns around and he goes, why don't you take your knee out of my girlfriend's fucking head? <laughs> now, is this a college guy as well or is he an older guy? This is what we, this is terrible to say, but this is what we used to call a woo rat. A woo rat? Yes. What's this that? is somebody from Worcester. 
So okay. he was like a local, like a townie. You like know? if we were still in Bloomington, that it would, would be, be a, called a cutter. A cutter, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. I like so to bring was, it back to Bloomington. He was a cutter. Okay. Uh, Woo rat. Wow. From Worcester. Woo rat. Worcester. Or, also, you call them mass holes. Yeah, sure. I've heard um, mass hole. Yeah. But Worcester is very specific, you know. So, so he says that. Take your knee out of my girlfriend's fucking head. And this is where probably I did not handle this correctly. My diplomacy evaporated. Mm-hmm. And I leaned over towards him and I said, I'm looking at it and I don't think my knee is in your girlfriend's fucking head. <laughs> and... Uh, oh. And he swung at me. He took a swing. Like, but he was still kind of sitting down. So it, was, so it was very ineffective. Like, if you think about your right arm going across your body trying to punch someone behind yeah. you, there's not a lot of – you can't get a lot of momentum into it. You can't get your – what in karate we call your hip drive. You can't get that going. Yeah. And, uh, and he missed. He's, and is his arm still around his girlfriend at the time? I, don't, I think he was probably moving like this. So he takes a swing, completely misses, sure. starts to turn around and stand up, and he and I grabbed his T-shirt with one hand, and just it was like a hockey fight. Like I just pulled the T-shirt up <laughs> over his head, and I'm not trying to say that I'm a good fighter or anything like that. I'm not good at this stuff. I've ended up in the hospital with stitches in my head. You know, like I'm not. But on this particular occasion, I did the coolest thing I've ever done in a fight, which was <laughs> as I pulled his T-shirt up over his head, I had a beer in this hand, in my in my right hand, and I reached behind my back and passed my full beer to the person standing next to me who took it. Mm-hmm. Then I grabbed the T-shirt with the other hand and tore it in half. His his new Billy Joel concert T-shirt and just tore it in half. And by this time, his girlfriend was standing up on the seats, punching me in the chest as hard as she could. So I had him (laughs) by his T-shirt and her punching me. And I just kind of bopped her in the forehead and she went rolling down several (gasps) rows of seats. Yeah. Because gravity works. No, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity. And, uh, And by then security had come over. And they kind of broke everything up and they were like asking people in the section what happened and, you know, and they took us outside and they were like, to me, and I, I'm not, a like I said, I'm not good at these kind of things, but I thought the whole thing was kind of hilarious because I had not been touched at all except <laughs> by the tiny flailing fists of his girlfriend. And... The security guard was like, look, we talked to the people in your section. We know it wasn't your fault, but you need to take a walk around the centrum to cool off. So they were just going to make me walk all the way around this, <laughs> you know, this stadium and, and just cool off. And there was a girl who was with the group I was with who I did not know, <laughs> who was an actress who later did a play at our school in which she got naked on stage. She was very attractive. Was it hair? It was not hair. It was actually Equus. Uh, But she was like, I'll walk with him. And so she (laughs) held my hand and I I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done. Wow. (laughs) So I had a beautiful girl holding my hand, walking me around this thing going, don't worry. It's okay. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. And I actually took a theater trip with her like a year later. We went to London to see some Shakespeare stuff. And on the flight over to London, she was like, I had such a crush on you back then. And I was like, God damn it. Why didn't I act uh, on that? You know, but anyway, so we walked all the way around and we get back to the section that we're supposed to sit in and the security guard is still there. And he goes, he was kind of laughing and he's like, we, we kicked the other guy out and we told him that we kicked you out also. So he's outside the centrum running around trying to figure out which door we kicked you out of. And then they just let me go back to my seat. And I got back to my seat. And the guy sitting next to me still had my beer, just gave me back my beer. <laughs> and I just watched the rest of the concert. No way. It was that, pretty awesome. That is awesome. I was imagining that whole time that you guys were fighting that you just heard it in the background. It was just going... We lived in Soho on L- Like there was some sort of sweeping. She cuts you once, she cuts you twice, and still you believe. I mean, we could go through the catalog, we could. you know. We could. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so that's my... And, and it's like, to say you got in a fight, a fist fight at a Billy Joel concert... Right. ...is just absurd. Yeah. You know? 
Like who goes to these shows looking for trouble? You but know? you know, you get you get a couple beers in you. I guess so. And you hear, you know, and I can literally, I can Italian literally restaurant. still remember what I was wearing. Like I was wearing like khakis and penny loafers and a button-down collared shirt with a sweater over. Like I could not have looked more oh, really? ridiculously collegiate. Yeah. You know? And this guy just was like, "I'm gonna kick his ass." Woo rat. Fucking woo rat. I love that you ripped your shirt open, and I love that it was a concert shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that kind of felt good, you know? Yeah. You ripped open the nylon curtain. <laughs> and, then, and then also that they that they were kind of making fun of him, you know? That's what's interesting, too, yeah. is that you they were making fun of him, and that the, they were Because cool they didn't know you. me. They didn't know anything yeah. about it, But all of a sudden, we were friends because they were making fun of him. Like, he must have pissed them off when they were trying to kick him out, you right. know? Like he must have rubbed those guys the wrong way, yeah. So that they felt like it was okay to just go, "Well, screw that guy." Yeah, you I'm know? from Worcester. <laughs> I live here. Yeah, I mean, this I, is and my of course, town. looking back on it, it's terrible that we used to have that attitude about the, the rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so shameful. I thought you were going to say it was terrible. You threw that woman like four rows down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel bad about that because I, I very, I just very gently Tapper. pushed her in the forehead, and she just went rolling down. She was fine, you know. Right. But it was like, it was just a weirdly inappropriate thing for her to do, too. Pound like down to, here, yeah. To get up and start. I assume they were away. gone, too. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. The girls were gone, too. Yeah. So <laughs> nobody, were still blocked, there. nobody blocked our view after yeah. that. They were there just sitting quietly. Yeah. We're sorry they, about they sta- that. They stand up again. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. guys, come on. You please. Push her down the stairs again. <laughs> um, well, hey, thank you. Thank you for entertaining uh, me with that Billy Joel violent story. I know it's not the best thing that's ever happened, but to me, it was pretty great. I think it's really great. I never imagined you as a fighter. I've been in my fair share of But fights. now that you mention it, I guess, I mean, I never really think about that anyway, but I guess I could see you. you know, I don't go looking for trouble. You're tall. How tall are you? 6'3"? 6'3". Six, 6'4"? Six, six, yeah, like, I feel like for some reason, if you're a tall guy, yeah. like, people... It's just other tall guys, either or, or little, short or little guys. guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Well, that's I'll take is. that guy down. Yeah, I'm definitely. from Worcester. <laughs> My father's the floor manager at Jordan Mash. <laughs> I'll kick his ass. My dad got laid off in Allentown. I don't know what. Um, no, but that is true. That is true. If you're big, if you're a big guy, so you will brawl a little bit. People yeah. will look for you to start shit with. Right. I don't get in a lot of fights. Knock on wood. But I joke my way out of the ones I get close I got in a fight anyway. within the last month and a half. You did? Yeah. As a grown-ass middle-aged man. What happened there? Uh, it was it was New Year's Day, mm-hmm. and I was with Way my, to ring in the ear, by the way. I know. It was like so... I was like, oh, great. This is an omen. But um, I was with my girlfriend, and it was like early afternoon. I was dying for... Uh, Bloody Mary. Like, I was like, I need, I just want a Bloody Mary. That's what I'm craving right now. And so we went to this place, but we got coffee right before at this other place. And we had to cross the street. And I will admit, we didn't cross at the crosswalk. We we crossed in between, not at the green, Mm. which is not what you're supposed to do. Nope. And as we were crossing the street... Some dude came whipping out of the parking lot, like way too fast, and almost hit her, which pissed me off. Sure. And then I could see him react in the car, not having not realized that there was a person there. And he was like, whoa, and then almost hit me. So as he was driving by, just missing me, I smacked the side of his car. Mm. Oh, I should preface the whole story by saying before we left the house, I got incredibly high. Okay. So I was really, really stoned, which I don't do. That's not a thing that I do. It's fine. It's fine if you do. No, I know. I understand that. But what I'm saying is like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with that. Like I, I'm like, you know, when you, when you first got stoned, you're like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. That's how it is for me still. I'm like, this is weird. I feel weird. You know? Yeah. So you're still watching Caddyshack and thinking it's amazing. (laughs) Um, listen to the guitar, man. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I smacked the side of his car and he stopped the car hmm. and he got out and he started yelling at me. And what he was yelling was, I said I was sorry. I said I w-. And he's coming towards me and saying, I said I was sorry, which I thought was hilarious because right. it's like, you know you're wrong, right? Like, you know what you did was wrong. I didn't damage your car in any way. I might have startled you a little bit. Um, but I had just bought this $3 cup of coffee. And I, this was like the most badass thing I've ever done. I threw the coffee on the ground <laughs> as if I was going to go after him. And I took a step towards him and I just went, get back in your car and get out of here. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> he definitely did. All your badass things involve beverages. Yeah, there's, always, there's always a beverage. There's always a beverage. I wish I had, I, it would have been better if I had passed the coffee behind yeah, my back to my to girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like she had it waiting and for me when I came. And you ripped his shirt open. <laughs> That's my standard mo every Take time I get a confrontation. Coffee shop. Um, well, hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for having sharing me. your violent tales. Sean Conroy. I'm not a violent person. No, yeah, I never thought of you as one until mm-hmm. now. Oh boy. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, this is the Mowgli's with Carrier Will. I want to thank Sean Conroy, Laura Craft. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome. Matt Thank Bell, you, Matt. Follow me on Twitter. Email me at mattawhalecave.com. Bye. Cherish this, cause when it doesn't last, you wish you had. I will cherish this, I will be humble again. What will it take to get me to get where I'm going? Do you know the way? Do you know when the tunnel ends? Lord, have mercy on me. I see a house of lies built upon a foundation of sand That was our house, that was our life, but we fell